0: I have a development director who told his direct report to falsify her timesheet. I found out about this from the direct report who told me about it and said it made her feel uncomfortable being asked to do this. I am seriously considering immediate termination of this position as it violates our policy and is just not ethical. I realize I need to speak with this director first and I expect it will be a challenge. He's been checked out for a while and not performing like he used to. I've also noticed some passive aggressive behavior and mood swings. Do you have any recommendations about how to approach this conversation with him?
1: Well, first, I'm glad you're going to have a conversation because and if you haven't had one already, I I would encourage you in the future as you start to notice this behavior, these mood swings, this is this stuff. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to have a bad day. It's another thing when that starts becoming a trend. And you as the manager or the person that this is your direct report, you've got a responsibility to check in, see what's going on with the person and and reflect what you're seeing, what you're observing. So that's the first thing I'd say. Um, You know, I think there's some questions to ask yourself before having this conversation. Is this a one-time incident about this particular issue of falsifying a timesheet? Have there been other things related to, to you know, that are kind of an ethical breach or just not appropriate. Um, it's one thing to be in a grumpy mood. It's another thing, right, to instruct someone to falsify a timesheet. I also think there's always, what do we say, there's probably three stories, right? There's the one person's story, there's someone else's story, and there's something in the middle. So, I mean, I think some of this has to be looking at the person's long-term track record, figuring out what's going on. So, I think pausing a moment to think about that before you go into this conversation is important. And then I think really just having a candid conversation. you know, So-and-so, we need to talk. It's come to my attention that you know, you have asked someone to fill out uh, a timesheet with false information. I'm I'm trying to figure out what to do with this information, and I'd like to give you an opportunity to respond or to share what happened. I mean, I think that is where it comes. So you're not outright accusing. You're saying it's come to your attention, right? You've heard this information, and you know if it's an isolated incident, then you know it's it's one conversation, right? It's about I have some concerns. If if It comes out that the person admits to it, right? I have some serious concerns about your integrity, and integrity matters to our organization, and this is just not acceptable. And so then you figure out what you're going to do with that. Is this, um, you know, is this a breach that that you really think requires firing or letting go, termination, or is this something that's kind of a write up? But if it's ongoing, I absolutely think that makes it a lot clearer and cleaner. It's like, okay, you know, how many times have we given you a chance, and you? you know, you've proven your track record and proven what's going on. So uh, that's the way I would, I mean, I think it's just a candid conversation and not coming in, you know, lazing to go fire somebody, but to really understand what exactly happened.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we like to kind of hassle HR on the podcast, don't we? We Well, (laughs) no, 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 no.
1: no. (laughs) I, I was going to say, Andy, we need to be kinder to our HR friends because uh, <laughs> I'm not going to allow us to go down that path with HR anymore because we love our HR people. We love our bankers, <laughs> even if we pick on you. So <laughs>
0: well, and this is I mean, and this is one of the things this is one of the reasons that like internally in organizations, HR starts to get a bad reputation is because there's this there's this interesting perception that like when things like this happen, we need to be able to take care of it. And it always seems like it's a much bigger process because immediately, like one of the things that your HR person is trying to do is to prevent you from being sued. Like that's what that becomes like, it's, it's these sort of legal, not ethical things. It's legal things that they're concerned about. That's why one of the reasons that they're there. And so something like this, when you have a, an HR department, that's what you use the HR department for is you say, here's the situation that we've got. Um, We've got, this is what's happening. This is what we've heard. This is what documentation we have. At. What do I do? And what HR will tell you is, well, you need to start documenting it. You need to make sure that all of the things that you find out are written down and that you've we're following our internal procedures about how we handle these kinds of things. Theoretically, you've got an employee handbook. If you don't, you probably need one because the employee handbook is going to say things like, you know, our organization holds our, our responsibilities to be ethic, ethical in the highest esteem. And any breach of this puts the organization in jeopardy and is grounds for immediate termination, right? Stuff like that, where you just have, it's given you an out that if you see something that is shady or doesn't reflect the values of the organization, you need to be able to get rid of those people as quickly as you can. Um, And in this scenario, like all this other stuff, like they're checked out, they're not performing there could be other reasons, which is why Stacy recommends having a conversation with this person. Like, you know, who knows what else is going on? They're humans. <laughs> like, yeah. they are not all, not always on game. Like,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> shockingly. <laughs> but but, you know, find out what the exactly what Stacy said. Find out what the situation is. But if you have an HR department, make sure that they're involved as well because you don't want this to get out of control. You want to be able to take care of it before, before it becomes a board member or A donor talking to you about ethics instead of a staff member, which is where you want the problems to come from, not from outside the organization. Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers, nonprofit board, nonprofit management, nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources. Welcome to Nonprofit Everything, the podcast where hosts Andy Shurik and Stacey Wedding answer your questions about all things nonprofit.
1: Hey, Andy, I had the best thing happen to me today. Any guesses what it was?
0: Um, you got a new pony.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I just reverted back to my days as a little girl (laughs) with my little ponies all over (laughs) my bedroom. So that's where my brain went. (laughs) I did not get a pony. It was something very oh. adult like, but you know, in the future. No, I'm
0: disappointed. I was, I was kind of hoping you did get a pony. I know. I was like, that, would be, that would
1: be fun to name the pony, right? We could have a <laughs> name the pony. So if anyone's listening and wants to share a name of Stacy's pony, if I like my make believe pony that, that I don't actually have, but uh, send us a message. No, anyway, I, um, I had someone cancel cancel a meeting uh, today, and I I know this is goofy. I was like doing the happy dance because I was like, I just scored two hours, so this is the adult <laughs> life, right? Like, I feel guilty because I wanted to. I I do want to see the person, but I was like, yes, two hours. So you know those days where you're like, I can do like take a nap now, which I should actually be productive. But now I'm thinking maybe after we get done recording this podcast, I'll take a nap. So, anyways, because you <laughs> warned me out, Andy, <laughs> right?
0: I'm sorry. I do that to everybody.
1: (laughs) Anyways, with that, uh, welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for always asking us the great questions you do. We couldn't do this without you. And I am lucky to do this in partnership with my fabulous co-host, Andy Schurcht, and with all of you fabulous listeners. So keep the questions coming, nonprofiteverything.com. We're on Discord. We're on social channels. So find us, send us a question, and share this with a friend. Thanks. Our organization has a $2 million annual budget. We have recently restructured our board, recruited several new board members, and have retooled our finance committee. This has led to higher engagement on financial stuff, and I have a few questions related to this. Is it appropriate for the finance committee to ask detailed questions about our budget line items, format of our budget, and so on? I am trying to understand the types of questions that are appropriate for board members and finance committee members to ask versus what is becoming micromanagement. As a new executive director, I want to be transparent and helpful, but am I creating a beast by trying to get them all of the details they want? Help.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is a hard situation, isn't it? So, I I mean, the question has like nine different questions in it, so I'm going to probably try to pick on the ones that I think are super obvious. Like, so one of them was like what types of questions are appropriate for board members to ask and that the answer is all of them the the board's job in in this scenario is to to make sure that they understand what's going on and the more questions they ask that's actually a good thing you want them to be as engaged as possible i know Depending on the size of your organization and this, you know, for an organization that has a $2 million annual budget, I would consider that pretty small, not tiny, right? Big enough to have a finance committee and more than one person on more than three or four people on the board. So it's not it's not a microscopic organization, but it's still pretty small. And so what I what I'm kind of hearing between the lines is you have discomfort internally with your own financial processes. And when the board starts picking scabs, then you're all of a sudden like really on edge because they're going to ask me something that I don't know the answer to. They're going to ask me a question about like, how are we handling the capital lease transactions? And did we appropriately put the liability on the something or other? Right. And you're just, your head's going to explode because you don't know what they're talking about. So I, I would take that as like, like uses it as a learning experience to sort of go to to when you're talking to the committee is to let them answer as many, ask as many questions as they can with the understanding that you're still kind of a baby organization and you're not expected to know everything. Like one of the reasons you're bringing on board members is because, especially board members on the finance committee is so that you have additional sets of eyes, people that have different kinds of experience and know other things that are helping out with the sort of overall structure of your organization. And if you think of it that way, as like I've brought on people that are going to help me learn to do my job better, um, I think then you're going to be in a good place. Now there is a line that they shouldn't necessarily cross, and that's when they start telling you how to do specific things. Like I want you to record this transaction this way, or when we do the budget, I want the budget to have these general ledger accounts and things like that. That's you know sort of the there should be a clear line between the actual work of running the organization and the oversight and experience that you're going to want from your committee. They need to be providing oversight and just their knowledge. And part of the reality is, is that a lot of times the people that come on to board finance committees don't have a ton of nonprofit experience anyway. They might, they might know all kinds of stuff about for-profits. But we're actually different enough on the finance side that they may just be asking questions because they just don't know. They don't know what the answer is. And so they're trying to get a, they're trying to understand it by asking you questions. So part of your job then is to help them learn more about, well, the reason that we're not so concerned about, for example, solvency is because that absolutely no makes no sense when we talk about it in the context of a nonprofit. We need to be thinking of liquidity and why do we need a reserve and all the other important nonprofit finance things that we need to think about. So I I wouldn't get super super concerned or upset. I would actually much rather have for me personally, much rather have a finance committee that's asking tons of questions, that's engaged, that reads the stuff and wants to like learn more, much more have that board finance committee than one that just kind of walks in, doesn't read the material, isn't really interested in what you're doing. You know, it's just there to get other clients for their real estate business or whatever, right? You don't want them. You want the people that are curious. And I always thought it was great. I I actively sought out uh, finance committee members that didn't know a ton about finance, specifically because they would ask questions, because they didn't come in, like the worst are bankers. Oh, I know we pick on bankers all the time, but they come in and they never want to actually... Sorry, bankers. Sorry, bankers. I mean, you're 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 on the committees for a reason, <laughs> but m- what I've seen is that a lot of times people that are sort of in financial roles a- externally from the nonprofit, they they feel uncomfortable showing that they don't necessarily know the answer to something. They don't want to look like they don't already have all that expertise, and so they don't ask probing questions. So if you bring on somebody that's not a finance person... Um, they they start asking questions, and you can see the you know the banker in the corner kind of nodding a little bit, like hey, I was wondering that too, right? But I didn't feel comfortable enough to ask. So I, I mean, I I would look at this as a gift, right? Not a punishment that you've got you've got an engaged finance committee, and um and and you guys can just all learn together.
1: So I want to add a couple of thoughts. What first a question for you, Andy? What do you do if you are the executive director, which could very well be the case for a $2 million organization and you don't have any finance staff or you just have a bookkeeper or somebody, right, Who, who isn't um, e- any more equipped than you are to answer these questions. So what do you do in that case, right? You're getting questions that you may not even understand yourself. I mean, and I know education, it's sort of like, well, Duh! of course, we. everyone needs some basic financial education and literacy that serves on the board as well as the executive director. I mean, that's that feels like the no-brainer. But I also go, what for someone in the trenches that they're getting these questions that they're like, I don't even understand exactly what the board's asking. And I also don't understand maybe the lens between for-profit finance and nonprofit and why the board member's asking it in that way. You have that advantage of that, Andy, because of your, your expertise in the area. But what about somebody who doesn't?
0: Yeah. So, I would. So the, I say this all the time, and it's that the, everybody else that's working in the same job as you in organizations all over the country are all in the same position that you are. And if you think about it, if somebody called you up and said, hey, I'm from wherever, can I ask you a couple of questions? You're going to say, yeah, you're going to say, sure, I'm happy to help you with whatever. So make some friends in the sector. Like find other executive directors that run organizations that are your size or bigger or, you know, join join organizations where nonprofit folks congregate so that you can make those relationships and then use those people to ask your questions because there's going to be a lot less judgment. Like if because you feel really uncomfortable if your board member asks you a question and you're the ED and you're like, I have no idea. Like, but you don't want to say that in front of your board because then you sound like you really don't know what you're talking about. So. Find some, find some friends in the sector that are willing to walk through stuff with you and say, look, somebody was asking me about a capital lease liability and those words I don't think are English. Can you help me with that? And, and they'll say, yeah, um, you can talk to, you know, this is a board member that we work. That's on our board, not on your board, but he like does this stuff all day. And so maybe you could talk to that person and they could explain it to you so that you're sort of gaining knowledge by this network of people that are all in the same boat. Um, I, I, that's what, that's what I did. I, I always was whenever, um, whenever a new person would come to town, like a new CFO would come and join one of the larger organizations in town. I made sure that was like the third or fourth person to call them like, Hey, it's Andy. I work over here. Um, I just wanted to say, welcome. I'm so glad that we've got another smart CFO in the community. And I just wanted to know if you ever need anything, or I can help you with anything, let me know. And what I was saying is just so you know, I'm going to be calling you later to ask you questions about stuff I don't know. Right. Right? You are now my new friend, and right. I'm going to use your knowledge just as you're allowed to use my knowledge as well. Um, this, it's, I think it's the, the most underutilized resource in the nonprofit sector is other people that are doing the same job, just because we have this weird like feeling like we're all in competition with each other over fundraising, we're, and we're not. Right? In some cases, maybe we are, but for the most part, we're not, and the CFOs certainly don't care. Like the executive directors can call other executive directors and ask questions. I think it's a it's a totally underused underutilized resource.
1: I guess one other observation, and this is coming from the non finance person, right? But to me, I, I understand and appreciate welcoming, encouraging, wanting questions because it means people are care enough to ask the questions and and get up to speed. But we've all seen the boards finance committees, those people on a board that have a budget in front of them. And they pick this really minor budget item and start picking at it instead of seeing the bigger picture. So that feels to me like that becomes a a sense of micromanagement or why are you going to that level like Actually, let me raise your attention to this instead, because this is actually the bigger issue. I mean, I guess you can try to redirect, but what do you do about those people? Because to me, that does feel like an overstep. Or am I totally wrong? Is that not an overstep? Because they have, I mean, obviously they have every right to ask what they want, but that just doesn't seem appropriate.
0: I Yeah, I'd say in a, it depends on the size of your organization. So in a larger organization, I mean, and, and this happened, this has happened everywhere I've ever been, is there's one board member who's just like gonna zero in on some line and it's, it's just to show the rest of the room that they're paying attention. Like the only reason they're doing it is because they wanna talk, because they wanna sell more real estate or whatever. So this is why, this is the thing they're gonna like, you know, they're gonna take their stand on this particular thing. So what we've done in the past, what I've seen work successfully in the past, especially in larger organizations where you have a separate finance committee from the board, where those are two different groups and they probably should be. And this is why you've got to, you've got a person called the treasurer and the treasurer's official job, right? Is to be sort of the one person that's kind of responsible for understanding all of the money sides of things. They should be on top of all the money stuff. If you've got the treasurer on your side in the finance committee meeting, you that the finance committee is where you get to dig into all of the details and go in as in excruciating detail as you want. And you can talk about like, Seriously, why are you, you know? Why do you have four American Express cards and not three? Right? Let's have that conversation in the in the finance committee, and then especially if you have a board member who has a tendency to take everybody off the rails, then you have the treasurer be the one that's actually presenting the financial materials within the full board meeting. You get them up to speed. You make sure that they know everything that's going on. They've got all the stuff, and they're the ones that are presenting it. A board member is way less likely to go after another board member for something dumb than they are to go after a staff member. They feel like the power dynamic is totally changed now. I'm now talking to somebody that's on my same level or higher than me, right? And so I'm not going to nitpick on random things. If it's a staff member, they feel like, "Well, you're just you just work for me, so I'm going to dig into whatever crazy thing I just thought of so that I can hear myself talk." Um that's one way to handle it. I've seen that's worked for for me personally before and I know that's other other bigger organizations Try to push the treasurer into that presentation role just for that reason. Lately, I find people are ghosting me when I ask for donations. They're people I know well friends, family members, volunteers of our organization, and they seem supportive of our work and seem interested when I talk about ways people give to our organization. But when I directly ask for a donation, even after sending multiple reminders, I get no response. When I cross paths with them, do I just let it go and act like it never happened? Or what does that follow-up conversation look like?
1: It really stinks being ghosted. So my apologies, because that can feel awful. And I think every fundraiser development person listening to this has probably felt this at one point or another. So a couple of thoughts. I. I think when you when you're thinking about like so friends and family are an odd duck, right? Because they are there to like in general, right? They're in our lives and hopefully they're supportive of us. And so it doesn't mean they necessarily like supporting you versus supporting your mission is are two different things to me. So, I think you've got to be careful with sort of assuming. I mean, yes, sometimes do people give because someone they like asked them to give, absolutely. But but assuming that like the interest and in, in seeming supportive is is toward the actual mission, I think, depends on kind of what they're saying or what cues they're giving. So I I think there's some of that that you have to take a step back and try to get a sense of. And I also think, like, you don't go from just maybe talking about your organization right into, do you want to make a gift? Like, I don't know how, I don't know if that's what's happening, but, like, I think maybe there's a, maybe a middle step that you could say, hey, like, if you ever want to come by, like, I'd love to give you a tour, or if you ever want to learn more, I'd love to to share more with you. So 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 there's that next step before sort of making it awkward, right? Where now you're like, okay, I'm asking you, I'm following up with you, I'm reminding you. And I'm like the big, you know, the person they're now running away from because they're like, oh, geez, like I, I don't want to say no and hurt their feelings. So I'm just going to kind of ignore it. And so I do think that that maybe there's an approach there. And I also think it's okay, like also at some point, like if you get to that stage where you feel comfortable or they seem interested enough to say, do you, do you think you'd ever consider like a gift or a donation of some kind? If so, I'd, I'd love to, is it okay if I follow up with you on that? Like just being really transparent and forward about it is, is okay. Like just to get and you know, and then they'll, hopefully they'll tell you like, you know, like I'm not in a spot right now to do that, but, but in the future or, you know, like, I, I love what you're doing, but I'm, that's not where I give whatever. Like, so, so then you know more. I do think you've got to be careful though, of not running into the point of like harassing people because this is what happens, right? We get like, and, and I am awful at this, right? Because I want closure. And to me, a non-response, some people would say a non-response, right? A non-response is a response. And, and, you could probably argue that case. I personally Stacy I don't do well with that. Like I want you to say no. I want you to give me some sort of marker because then I'm wondering, did you get it? Have you, like are you getting my or are you just so busy that that you know like there's all the things because there's this sort of you've left me with this place of uncertainty because you haven't responded. So, I think that there's an you know there's an opportunity here to also discipline yourself and maybe you say, okay, I'll do two, like I'll, I'll do phone call follow-up and an email follow-up or whatever, like, but limit yourself because at some point it's also like, all right, now, now you're becoming kind of the annoying friend or family member, um, and, and not taking the, the, the cues. And, and then, yeah, do, do I think you sort of, you know, when you, when you meet with them, like as far as do you just let it go and act like it never happened, I guess that is a personal call, right? Like if, if it's really bugging you, like I think it's okay to say, hey, did you happen to get like any of my stuff? Like I, I'm okay if like, you know, you can even say like, like if now's not the right time, I'm totally fine. I just want to make sure you got it. Like something like, or can you let me like in the future, you know, well, you just let me know if this is not it. Cause I, I may have jumped the gun, like give them an out, but like, because you want to preserve the, the relationship with the family and friend, like you don't want to put them in that awkward, uncomfortable position. Um, and so, so perhaps there's just some strategies you can use to not make this less awkward by being a little more, um, creating that, that relation, you know, creating the relationship with the work and organization, not you. So, so that's sort of the first step I would take. And then after that, looking at, you know, Hey, I would love to ask, you know, invite you to make a gift at some point, would you be okay with that? Like whatever, something that you're kind of really just signaling, this is the direction we're going. So I don't know. What are your thoughts, Andy? I
0: have more questions than answers on this one. One of them is like, do people, do people, I mean, I get the friends and family thing is going to be weird. Like, does does your mom listen to this podcast? Uh, no. Yeah. My my mom pretends that she does, but then she asks me like random questions and I'm, I can tell that she doesn't, right? So, so she's like, she wants to be supportive, but she can't be bothered to take a half an hour every two weeks to listen to it, right? <laughs> so I think like in, in fundraising, it feels like, the the ideal is that someone's going to be giving to the cause that there's a like a a mission purpose that they're going to be interested in and they they trust that your organization is the one that's capable of doing that but but we've like then conf, conflated this with a personality thing because you're asking friends and family and so you've put them in a weird sort of domain situation where they may not like you may be working for an organization that they like fundamentally disagree with, but you're still related to them. Right. And so they don't want to let you down as a person. But the cause doesn't resonate like like or you're really annoying and they want to give to the cause. But you're so annoying that they don't want to give to you. Right. I don't. Maybe this, sometimes the opposite happens. I don't actually know. But it feels like there's like people that have thought about this much more deeply than I have probably have a solution that has to do with that domain problem. Um, and maybe you shouldn't ask friends and family for money, right? Maybe that's not something that's going to be good for your cause in the long run because you're, con- you're conflating the domains when you don't necessarily need to. So, I mean, that's that's more of a question than an answer for sure because um, I know people have thought about that specific question and there's probably like a like a rule or <laughs> like in general we do this and I actually don't know what it is. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you learned at least one thing. Um, If you didn't, maybe you can send us a question. (laughs) Like That'll be like punishment for not learning something is you have to send us a question. You have to come up with something that that would help you learn something, send that to us, and then maybe we can get on a guest expert that will be able to answer that. Um, the way you do that is you can email it to us. We're, um, available anywhere on all the socials. You just look for nonprofit everything. And that's us. Um, there's also a website, nonprofiteverything.com. There's an ask a question button, which is, I think either yellow or red. So it's hard to miss. Just click that. And then you can, that gets right to us too. Um, otherwise we will just make them up. We'll just make up some questions and they'll be really weird and specific and technical. So, you know what that, So send us questions so we can get them answered. Um, Thanks for listening. And we'll see you again in a couple of weeks.